Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I am Pills Wendell Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How's everything? It's going pretty good. And um, today, we have, as usual, we have a lot of topics to get into today, and um, we're going to deal with a, a few um, conference finals uh, topics for, for the NBA. Um, also, a couple of album reviews, and in the second half, we're going to do a review of the Born Identity. But to start off with just thoughts on the Bucks, Hawks, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, and also kind of analyzing how Trey Young's um, debut postseason has really been remarkable so far. Um, you know, Milwaukee had a dominant 34-point win at home in Game 2. Giannis had 25 points, and Drew Holiday scored um, 22. And they never trailed, scored 20 straight points late in the second quarter. And this marks the third straight series in which Atlanta lost Game 2 after winning Game 1 on the road. But what are your thoughts on just kind of the dominant, you know, type of home win and response the Bucks had and also how Atlanta can adjust back at, at home tonight? Ooh, it kind of surprised me. I think uh, the difference was the way they used Giannis and when they used Chris Middleton. Um, I think the first game, I think they got into the shooting match with Trey Young and these guys because Trey Young can, 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 can shoot, with the, shoot with the best of them. And then the, I think the the one and two game they had with Clint Capella the first game really uh, got them out match. But now I think when the second game came around, I think Giannis kind of got in a role with like, okay, they don't have KD, <laughs> they don't have a KD. Exactly. They don't they don't yeah. have a Kyrie Irving. Well, similar similarities in between Trey Young and Kyrie Irving, but they don't have that weapon that I'm afraid of. So now let's dominate Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton was shooting from behind arc. The men was playing great defense. Giannis yeah. just being Giannis. I do. I don't think Giannis is the best in the world. Uh, he doesn't have a bag, and we talked about that. But mm-hmm. he looked good. He, he his 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 DNA was great for the second game because he oh what he did uh, drive euro step or drive and spin or drive and pump fake and you know he only have certain moves so. Everything worked in their favor for game two, but I think game three is going to be a little bit different. I think Trey Young and the one-two punch with him and Clint Capella and those outside guys is going to is going to be a threat for these guys. Yeah, it, it, like they really are a handful for any team to have to guard because they, they they just have so many options on the perimeter. And I think with Trey Young, like this entire postseason, we've seen like an ascension. You know, this is his first time to be able to get to this stage. You have young younger players like Luca. You know hasn't been able to get out of the first round um, in the last two years. And then Zion hasn't even, you know, been able to make the postseason. Like in terms of what Trey Young has been able to do, like, do you think this is the type of player that for the next 10 to 15 years, he can like still be in these moments and stages um, as he like grows and develops with this like Hawk system? I think it, it just depends on the coach and the, the Hawk system, and the guys they have around him. I think when you go get a guy like Clint Capella, who's used to doing that one, two game with James Harden, um, then it's kind of easier for your guy. And then with, with Trey Young, his he's a true point guard who can shoot. He's I think a lot of people say don't compare him to Steph Curry or whatever, but I think they have some uh, some great similarities, especially with as being a facilitator. They still have that the the foundation of a point guard. He averages ten well nine point nine assists. You might always round it up to ten assists. Come on, what? <laughs> so <as> well. <laughs> in, in a guy who. <laughs> And this how we do with our movie ratings. This how we do with our movie movie ratings, like three point five. Just just give it four. Just give it four. <laughs> you might have rounded up. Come on, don't don't do it. Don't do it like that. Don't be picky. <laughs> <laughs> but you you have a guy who can do that and who can average ten assists and then average twenty nine points. Man, that's unheard of in this in this era. And you put the weapons around him. You give them guys that are were able to to shoot behind the arc, be able to come in like Lou Williams, man. I'm and just the fact that Lou Williams was about to retire. That's the dumbest thing oh he could have thought of. <laughs> goodness. And he's playing lights out, bro. He's playing lights out. And the, the guy I really want to come out of his shell. And if he does, I think they'll help the Atlanta Hawks next year. It's probably gonna be next year. Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for him to reach his full potential with Trey Young, with Clint Capella, with Luke yeah. still coming off the bench. Man, this is going to be a great team, an even better team next year if they don't make the. I think they make the finals. I think. I think. Yeah, I was um, about to ask you that. Do you think like is there a certain amount of games you think they win it in, like six or seven? Mm, it's going to game. It's going to go with a full seven, full count. Yeah, I think so too. 
I think they can figure each other because they don't have that difference maker, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Neither team has a difference maker that can just solely take over a game. And that that's nothing against Trey Young, Giannis, or Chris Middleton. They don't have like what well, I'll re- reiterate this. They don't have a KD. They don't have a Kyrie Irving. They don't have a LeBron James. They don't have these guys who really take over games and solidify a series. So now that's why the second game was like that. It was like, okay, now we figure out they can't match us down below. Clint Capella cannot hold Giannis. You know what I mean? At all. So at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> so now you figure out, figure out now game three, they gotta come back to the Atlanta has to come back to the drawing boards. What do we do better on the backcourt? No, matter of mm-hmm. fact, what would we do better on the front court? So it's it, I think it's gonna be a chess, it's gonna be a chess match this entire series. Who can outgun who? Who can figure out uh mismatches? And I think at the end, I want to say the Hawks will. I want, I want the, I want Chris Middleton to get a, a ring because that man's been working hard and he's worth yeah. every penny. But I think the Hawks is going to go to the finals. Yeah, um, and, and after listening to the Suns commanding three one lead versus the Clippers Sheesh. and just it's crazy. I mean, th- th- this is their ch- shot to get back to the finals, you know, since nineteen ninety three, and just they've had an incredible run as we mentioned in the last episode, and you know they were um pulled off a low-scoring four-point win at at L.A., and Devin Booker had 25 points before fouling out in the final minute. Chris Paul had 18 points, seven assists, and knocked down, you know, just clutch free throws when it mattered most. And the Clippers shot 32% for the game. The Suns shot slightly better at 36%. And it was, you know, this was just an 84 to, 84-80, I I think, was the final score. Very low scoring compared to what we're usually seeing with these types of uh, final results. But what are your thoughts on just the Suns pulling out an important road win and also how they can close the series um, out back home uh, Monday night? Ooh. And, you know, this game wasn't a good game for either teams. It, mm. You can you can tell, you can say, oh, the last call, the call against um, Paul George kind of like messed the game up and kind of just sealed the fate for the Clippers in this game. But both teams shot terrible from the field. <laughs> Yeah. And the Clippers definitely shocked terrible from the field in the third quarter. 10 out of 17, I think they had 32% from the field. 27 out of 83 the entire game. That and then 31 for 86 out of the entire game for the um for the Phoenix Suns. So this wasn't a good game, but it does show me um how good, and I know this kind of is gonna be a <laughs> double negative or whatever. But it does show me how good of a leader Chris Paul is and how good their their backcourt is. Right. Aiden, no, do you remember this? When yes, Aiden I got drafted. Okay, all right. I you, give you, you had all flowers the, about Chris you Paul. You bought all the stock. You bought all the stock on DeAndre Aiden, and it's, it's paying <laughs> off. <laughs> he's a true That's the big guy. Man. That's the guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's my prototypical big man, man. That's yes. that, Even Chris man, Paul I, said I it. Love, even Chris Paul said it at, at the at the end of the game, like he 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 deserves to get to, to get to get paid a high amount this summer. Like what he's been able to do and just show his like skill set, he's really shown that he's gonna be like a next level type of big. Nineteen points, twenty two rebounds. But you know what? The the Clippers had a chance to win. They had what twelve possessions. 12 positions they had, and they could not make a basket. They could not you know, could not bring it back. They had a couple chances to uh, bring the lead uh, back into five or back into close close range, but they just couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of things that's going wrong for the Clippers. It looked really good when they won game two. Um, but I think it was because Chris Paul first got back, and they were trying to warm him up. But he just – he started hitting that at some point. But game four, <laughs> Clippers are not going to win. The Phoenix Suns are back home. They, they don't game, have they don't five. have an answer. Game five. Oh, I'm sorry. So, excuse me. Game yeah. five. Game five. Yeah. Game five. They don't have an answer. They're back home. They can't. They, they can't say Suns in four. But you know, they can say Suns <laughs> in five. They can. Say- <laughs> they can't say that. I can't believe that guy got oh my famous gosh. off that. Man. Just off of that. <laughs> Beating um, people but- up and saying Suns in four. <laughs> That's all it takes nowadays. <laughs> um, but but in terms of also like there's the element of, you know, obviously the Clippers didn't have, you know, they, they haven't had Kawhi for this this series, um, didn't have him for um, game five and game six of the Utah series. Like how much 
different do you think this series would have been if Kawhi was like actually playing? Like, do you think it, it would have been one of those where this the Suns had a slight edge, or do you think it would be tied after Game Four if he was still there? I think they would have matched him up with uh, Devin Booker. I yeah. think they would have gave an opportunity for Paul George to um, focus more on the offensive side. I mean, Paul George is a good defender, but I don't think he can hold Devin Booker, not for an entire game. I think Kawhi, that's that's order for Kawhi. I think he he doesn't laugh, but inside he was like, yes, give me Devin Booker. Do you see him in the press box? Just no. It's, the announcer was My like, friend, Kawhi let us go Kawhi crazy. Going crazy. <laughs> and he wasn't doing anything. <laughs> He was just looking, just like, oh, God. Mike, Mike Green is the go for that. <laughs> Bro, that was so funny. Kawhi going crazy. I'm like, wow. Okay, that man is so dry. No response. <laughs> <laughs> no response. I wonder what he was like, his face what gets, when he What first... gets him excited? What actually gets Kawhi excited? <laughs> what if this is like the weirdest thing? Just like the weirdest thing, like a gerbil or something. Like something like... <laughs> Just off the wall. I wonder, did he have the same face when his kids was more like, oh, oh I got kids now. Wow. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. Um, but, but yeah, it really does feel like Phoenix is probably going to close this one out. And, I mean, as we've, as we've mentioned before, like, Chris Paul getting a chance to, like, finally get his first ring. Like, do you think Phoenix can, like, win this entire thing, like, uh, in terms of just, like, oh, yes. the momentum they're playing with? Yes, and it's and I hate I, I hope it's not like where everything is the light spotlights the limelight everything is on the Suns <laughs> and they get and they get to the finals and they do not but I don't think that's the case because they have Chris Paul is back he's not hurt he's healthy Devin Booker he may foul out but he's still going to play uh, good good minutes he's he's a beast yeah. Aiden is playing great basketball front court back court they have a good. Um, supported cat. I think everything is leading to them winning, just like how Tampa, you know, the Super Bowl was in Tampa, yeah, Tampa and everything Bay. led to them. You know what I mean? So it just feels like everything's lead to them. Chris Paul getting his first ring, Devin Booker solidify himself more in the NBA. Aiden is, you know, what I mean, everything is pointing to the, the everything's lining up for them. Of, of course. That, I, yeah. I, I, I hope this that. I hope it's that. Definitely. Um, and now transitioning to, um, to to Philadelphia and just kind of thoughts on what changes they need to make in the offseason and, and what's oh, po- possibly <laughs> – I know this is a depressing topic <laughs> for so many Sixers fans to hear, but, like, <laughs> what's possibly a better fit for, for Ben Simmons? And, you know, after their seven-point loss um, from the um, against Atlanta, you know, this is just now another um, playoff flameout and with a new coach and being the number one seed, you know, they lost at home three times – in that series for, you know, when most of the year they were usually elite at home and played, you know, efficiently. Um, And Simmons' struggles have been at the center of attention, even though he's, you know, one of the game's greatest open court players and was a clear-cut first-team all-defense selection, only had five points. And the lack of shooting from him and just having confidence and identity in critical situations um, was just highlighted more than ever than it's, you know, um, than, than we've seen. What are your takeaways from this, you know, colossal series loss at home for Philly, and what's next for for uh, for Ben Simmons? Who this has shown me, they need to do some internal moving. Yeah, from the GM, from head coach, from everything, they need to clean house and start over. Because one, you have three max players. And that's ideal for you, right? That's what you want. That's when you want to get three players and surround them with supporting cast. Play, um, you know, teammates. But when you have one max player who <laughs> whose only job is to pick your role and go to the basket, <laughs> he's a point guard. <laughs> who only shoots three times in a game. <laughs> Yo, you can't make this stuff up. You can't make this up. <laughs> who can't shoot free throws? <laughs> Wait, oh what God. is it? I got one more. I got one more. Oh. And shoot around. You didn't make what? <laughs> <laughs> look at his shoot arounds if you want to see what we're talking about. Just look at Ben Simmons' oh. shoot arounds. It's so sad. It reminds me of Markel Fultz. He had a better shot to stay with them than freaking Ben I'm Simmons. I'm telling you. Goodness. But, they, but it's hard to do anything. Nobody wants Ben Simmons. The more they show 
to show how limited he is in their offense and how they limited him in their offense, nobody's going to want him. Who wants to trade for Ben Simmons to do what? If anything, he needs to go to a point, a power forward, a center. You six yeah. ten, buddy. Change your position. That, You're not a. That would be guard. a better. Tra- that would be a better tra- transition for him. But you know why that won't happen? Because he has ego. It's, it's reports saying he's getting baby by uh, by the team, not not his doesn't, team, but like it doesn't listen. His, his team doesn't listen. Won't won't figure things out. He said he doesn't want to play in the uh, Olympics game or whatever with his his country. He wants to go work on his fundamentals. Then you're not gonna work on your fundamentals. It sounds good. You've had like three years to <laughs> three or four years to do that. Exactly. I mean, it sounds good. That's the PR. That's yeah. the PR of it. Oh, yeah. Just say that you're not gonna play with them. You can just play video games. Cause he's a gamer. Do that. Be a gamer. Don't be a point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers when they say trust the process. How long do you trust the process? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> How long do you trust the process? But they need to move Ben Simmons, but it's going to be extremely hard to move him. The only the only way they can free up cash space if maybe they get rid of Doc Rivers, but I don't know. I don't know if that will even free up some money, but you can't get, I mean, try to trade for Tobias Harris. You might get a piece for him. You're not going to lose Joel and B. That's your, that's your heart and soul. So if, I mean, ideally, ideally you want to get rid of Ben Simmons, but you can't, first of all, you just pay him. And then nobody wants to trade for him. Nobody. I don't think uh, a Euro League wants him. I don't think the Harlem Gold Trotters want him. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to go further. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but um, b- before we move on, also you know the Nets, you know they they weren't able to pull off that that semis win. Um, obviously, like Kyrie mm-hmm. was out, um, Harden wasn't the same. We even you look back earlier with the Lakers. They had a first round exit in terms of like the elite teams of the West next season. I mean, of the West or East, like which teams do you think will be able to get back to that point of like, okay, they're in the conference finals. They're able to get to another finals. Like what team in particular, or maybe two teams you think like that weren't there, that aren't there now can get to that point next season when they're healthy. Lakers for sure. Um, I think Denver. Lakers and Denver. Mm, yes. I think Denver always has the formula that something happens in the bubble. Like, they play lights out in the bubble, but it just didn't work out for them. And then they're looking good, and then Murray gets hurt. And you did say, I'll give you your flowers. Well, it's an I always give you your flowers. You did say Jokic can take the can win them get one series. series. Get you a series. You said that, man. You, Wellington, what do you, what's your secret? <laughs> What's your secret? <laughs> Tell me your secret. Reading articles, <laughs> watching clips, <laughs> being a reader, being a reader, studying up on the- <laughs> well, it's a, What's in the box? Huh? What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? <laughs> um, but, but and, and also with coach, there's been a lot of coaching changes. Chauncey Billups was just named mm. Portland's Portland's coach. Uh, Rick Carlisle, the co- coach now of the Pacers. Yeah, they, like that's a really big promotion. And then Jason Kidd for Dallas. Like, out of all the new coaching changes, like which one has do you think could possibly be one that benefits a team that is you know trying to get to that next step or next level that wasn't able to do it this year? I do think Chauncey Billis with Portland is going to be a good one. But before I even say that, why did they hire Carlisle again? Oh gosh, why? I'm, you know what? I'm, Such I'm a basic wish. hire. Such a basic hire. <laughs> Rick Carlisle for four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, we know what to expect. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Of all the coaches in the pool, like, you know what? I think Carlisle is going to give us what we need. <laughs> okay. All Great right. to better yourself, buddy. But anywho, I think <laughs> I think Chauncey Billups. Don't get me wrong. I think Jason Kidd was a big pickup, but I think Chauncey Billups. This is his finally gets a shot. Oh, man, he's been waiting for this probably a long, long time. I think yes. him being him. I think him being able to change organization as a player because when he came from Pistons to uh, the Nuggets, he immediately made them better. Mm-hmm. He took yep. the he took them to the final. No, no, no. It was a yeah. 
the was it the finals? I think the Western or Conference the Western finals. Conf- yeah, Western There's Conference. There's a Western finals. Conference finals. I know it's yeah. one of the finals. Yeah, one <laughs> of them. <laughs> he took them to the Western Conference finals in the first year. But I think what he can do as a coach, he can bring that different element uh, to them because he won. He's a NBA champion. He's a guy who knows what to look for. I hope they give him some say when it comes to trying to draft players and trying to get trade players or whatever. Because you know, g- some general managers don't even listen to the coaches. So I don't, I don't understand that. It seems like that's what happens with the 76ers. They don't listen to each other. But anywho, but I think Chauncey Blue <laughs> is a great pickup. Um, yes. Just because his insight and what he can bring to a table. I mean, bring to the uh, to table as a player, let alone not, and now as a coach. Because you see how Doc Rivers and J.C. Kidd was a uh, good head coach in, in the past as well. But I think when the players become head coaches, they give a different insight and give you a different uh, channel of things. And, and there was also the talk of the Becky Hammond, like Becky Hammond, still uh, like a female coach yeah. not being hired yet. Like, like w- what are your thoughts on that as well? Because you do want to see, like, eventually, I, I do think she deserves to get that chance and there to be parity. But, like, do you think that's something that can still happen soon? Or is it like, is it just like a wait and see type of thing? I think they, they definitely gave a true opportunity because, you know, some 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 teams just do it for the publicity and they do it for all the wrong reasons. But I really think they gave her a true opportunity to try to get the job. But I think when, when it comes to, um, I think, visions of the team that maybe her what, what she brought to the table wasn't right for them at the moment. But she'll get her opportunity. It's going to take some time. You don't you don't get it on your you know first three, four chances in the NBA. Because like you said, right. they they hire guys like Carlisle again and they just, you know, recycle head coaches. Um, but I definitely thought that Carlisle hire was, it baffled me. They they really should have gave it to her or somebody else that was, I don't know, that was a dumb, just just dumb. What are you doing? Carlisle is not a good coach to me. But anywho, I digress. Yeah. And, and uh, once again, Savon, I didn't. I didn't add a boxing topic. I got it. We got to talk about Javante Davis. He. We, 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 we mentioned him. He had a, an eleventh round TKO of Mario Abaris to claim the WA, uh, WBA Super Lightweight Championship. And mm-hmm. you know, for him, this is another milestone because he moved up two weight classes to become you know a three division world champion. Just um, incredible fashion. Like, like, what are kind of your some of your thoughts on that one? Because that's a an amazing accomplishment to have. Like Manny Pacquiao, De La Hoya, Floyd are kind of like some of the only guys to like be able to like have that accomplishment and really like move up to a more challenging position. Floyd Mayweather did say that's the next guy up. He said yes. he's going to be even better than me. I don't know if he's going to be better than I think he has more power than Floyd for sure. Mm-hmm. But to move up two weight classes and to weigh a dude down that has you in height and probably weight, that says something. And the yeah. last person I've seen do that with sufficiency is Roy Jones Jr. when he went Definitely. to uh, heavyweight. So, but but sh- he was getting boxed now. I'm not gonna lie, Barrows was was boxing him, was giving him mm-hmm. some some trouble at moments. But I think you he wore him down, especially I think it was the eighth round. He knocked him down yeah. twice. Yes, and those was good punches. Oh yeah, those were great punches. Oh my gosh, I didn't know he had that much power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Javante, yeah, he's the next man up, though. He makes boxing exciting. He's like Floyd. He's like these other guys. And um, when, you, when you wear a guy, that's what I was most uh, impressed by, how he wore the guy down. In the 11th round, he got the, a good shot in the body, and the rest is history. A lot of people say he got he got saved because he was probably lost in the box scores, even with the knockdowns in the eighth round. But it's boxing. You, yeah. It's twelve rounds. You you gotta you gotta fight for twelve rounds. You know what it should a long been a long distance fight. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's boxing one on one. I'm going to keep going until I get you. And I I he probably figured it out. He was like, I'm going to get him again because he's going to wear down. He's going to get tired. Because when he got hit in the in the stomach, he he was defeated. Mm-hmm. That's why oh, I yeah. think they they stopped it again. Yeah. And then he got hit with a good left and. The rest is history. But man, Javante Davis, man, AK. He's got next. He's got next. <sighs> definitely Special. does, man. He definitely is. Um, but but now listening to our album reviews and to start off with um hers back of my mind debut and just thoughts on the showcase of her talent displayed again. 
This is the recent full-length uh, debut. Many have been anticipating from her this year. And on the song We Made It, you know, there's a sample moving in reverse that's just glimmering. You've got the guitar solo that she's become known for at many award show performances. Um, and there's moments of, you know, real promise in this album as there's a lot of delicacy that folds in beautifully with smart selected beats. Um, there's also 80s-inspired production, and she used a lot of um, ballads just as she did with some of her EPs. Um, but what are your thoughts on this debut, and did it meet any expectations you might have had for it compared to some of the the past work she's done? She, Barry Bonds, no. She sent me some, no. She can Griffey Jr. Mm. knock this out of the park. Knocked it out of the park. Oh, this girl is special. This one man special. is special. Mm-hmm. Man, she just got she just got the formula, bro. Like she just yes. she can't miss. No. She I, she can't miss. And her her track list was just her features was just dumb, stupid. Like that's all you heard about for the, you know what I mean? Like, oh her like the find her, a way, her, her. the find a way track with a little bit. <laughs> that was crazy. And you wouldn't think they would jail. I didn't think so either. That that caught me off guard. You yeah, exactly. I was like, why did she have a little baby on this? And then I was like, oh, okay, this is why. All right. I see now. <laughs> I see now. <laughs> yeah, and you into it like her entire this whole album, bro. The song with Chris Brown. We already heard that. Bus. Um, let's just let's. I'm just gonna focus on the songs we she's already released. Um, okay. slide, damn it, slide damage. Damn, oh, that's my still my favorite. I don't yes. know one of, one of the best songs of that? the year. Somebody wrote that for her. I can't remember who did, but I'll, I'll I'll find it. But yeah, damage. We already knew this album was gonna be crazy because of damage, because of um come through, because of uh slide with YG. I thought that was a dope song when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get when you get the little baby edition, it's just like. Wow, okay, she can gel with anybody. Her music, her style of music can gel with any type of artist. And she's proven that over and over and over again. Man, this whole album was crazy. Find yeah, find a way was was really dope. Um, back of my mom was really dope with Ty Dolla Sign. Tough. Hope, yeah. <laughs> trauma. Oh trauma was good. Another guy, Young Blue, I didn't think she was gonna gel with Young Blue either. Oh, on, on Paradise, yeah. Yeah, because of his production style and his engineering, oh, how the, his engineers tweak his vocals and stuff, and how like heavy it is, mm-hmm. but it worked. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, that's I mean, this album, yeah, best album of the year so far. Before Drake wow. drops his, before Drake drops, <laughs> you're, you're going up there. Wow, I definitely do. Oh. I, it's, it's, it's one of the top ones for sure. It yeah. got J Cole. It got J Cole album, but I mean, it's different because she's R, she's R and B. He's you know, but yeah, two different just genres. Album quality. But still, I think this has to be album album of the year so far, bro. Because if she doesn't yeah. win a Grammy off this again, she's winning Grammys back. She before. better. She better. She probably gonna win a Grammy off this. Yes, I definitely For think sure. by the end of the year, this is gonna be in in, in our list of, of top three. Oh. Like this is this album was special. For sure. You know, it's crazy. Drake. He was with um um. Speaking of Drake. He was with URL and he was doing an interview or whatever. She was like, "We well, you we don't want to steal you from your album." He's like, "Oh, the album's gonna be out by then." So he's talking about the album's gonna drop next month. Yeah, I'm he here in July. Before, I'm, I'm here in July. Yeah, before the summer's yeah. up. So it might July ooh, would be a smart it. month to do it. This is true. I hope yeah. so, but I do want to win though. So. Oh man, I know you don't want it though. You you want it, but you don't want it. I know. I feel you, man. I feel you. But he, it seems like he's coming. It seems like he's the storm is right. coming. Well, bring it on, certified <laughs> CLP. Let's see what you got. <laughs> um, but but yeah, this this is fantastic. I mean, it's, many times we can have certain critiques of an album. I just there are not many that I have for mm-hmm. and, at all at all. Like it was just, it was flawless. Um. But but now transitioning to Tyler the Creator's uh, "Call Me If You Get Lost" latest album, um, this is his, the the si- I think sixth or seventh from him, and you know there's just a process of evolution that continues, and all of these tracks slide into each other, and you've got short um, sharp bursts of music, and um, there's also two episodic epics that clock in at almost the ten minute mark, and just like 
any of these previous albums, there's kind of like two extremes of his persona, the um, hard-hitting rapper and then the sensitive, melodic um, experimentalist who's just kind of revealed in one of the longest tracks and and probably best, in my opinion, with, with, with uh, Wilshire, that was just a very long, extended, thought-out um, type of song and, and, and storytelling one. Um, but a lot of people have been really high on this album, deemed it as one of, one of the best of the year, feeling like it was a top-tier body of work. But we've never reviewed a Tyler, the Creator album this is the first one we've no. done. What what are what are your thoughts on this project? And it, it, he has a different sound. It's, it's very unique. Like Frank Ocean yeah. kind of has that that similar sound to where it's just not one that you're used to hearing. And yeah, when you do, it definitely does sound unique. But kind of like, what were some of your thoughts from from this one? You know what? I hate that he stole one of my names, Manifesto. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> Automatic you know, downgrade. <laughs> You know what? I'm not a I'm not a big talent creator. Um, you know, it's some like I always say this, it's some artists that are like dope and I think his vibes are really dope, but it's just not for me. And he goes in the category with um D Smoke and Toby uh Nguinway. Um mm-hmm. I think he has a, a dope sound. He's de- and that's what I, I do love that's what I love about his music that is unique and you don't yes. really hear it. I mean, you may have some similarities to ASAP Rocky, but that's, I mean, ASAP has his own style too, but it just wasn't for me. It's, it. it was, it was a, it was a nice album, but it just wasn't for me. I'm, I'm not really a fan of Tyler Creator. I know a lot of people are, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, yeah. I forgot one song did kind of, um, was fired. I can't remember. He was like, um, my credit score good. So this car will never decline. It's something like that. That was a bar. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, he has some good features. Mafia? He has some really good features on here. Yeah, Pharrell, William, Pharrell, uh, Lil Uzi, uh, Wayne. Like he had some top level features on here for sure. Yeah, when he had uh, NBA Youngboy in there, I thought that was an interesting, <laughs> interesting yes. choice. Him and uh, Todd Dolla Sign. I want to know what how what goes through your minds with who he wants on the songs and who you think would gel well. Um, but he did have a feature for uh, Brent Fayez. I thought that was really dope because I'm I'm big on Brent. But yeah, like you said, he definitely had a a dope uh, feature list, but it just it just wasn't for me. Wasn't for you? Nah, it wasn't for me. What do you think yeah, about and, it? I mean, for me personally, I I really like this project. I yeah. I, I, I like Flower Boy, Igor, t- t- like the the three the last three albums that he's had from this, and his production like has always fascinated me. I feel like he has like really like high level production and i think he's kind of grown as a as a songwriter um he's not the type mm-hmm. of artist i'm gonna listen to a lot but like i do respect artists that when their albums come out like it's one of those things you're just gonna stop everything you're doing and really like dive into it and i feel like that's how it was for mm-hmm. me because he's not an artist i'm he's not in a lot of my playlists but when his albums drop i listen to it a lot because he has something that like i said with frank ocean it's something that i don't listen that i'm not used to hearing and when i do hear it i know it's mm-hmm. unique and something that I'm probably not gonna hear for a while. Mm, that makes sense. Because yeah. he's definitely not in my playlist either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but 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 transitioning, I think somebody who is in your playlist, I don't know if Isaiah Rashad is in your playlist. I don't know if you if you let him down after after the the the, the lay with you. I don't, I don't know if you're still high on him. <laughs> you dismissed that track like no other track we've ever <laughs> um, booby water. <laughs> But but he recently had his second single for the house is burning um before the house is burning drops mm-hmm. uh, headshots and um just kind of dealing with thoughts on how the, if this proper properly builds up the hype for it um you know he kind of returned to a melodic side that mm-hmm. we're used to hearing from him and the production from Hollywood Cole is just extremely precise as the different layers combine flawlessly um and he's shown two completely different sides of himself like in Lay with you it was a, a high energy banger and then this one was a smooth melodic track. Um, th- th- mm-hmm. to me, like, this is one of the best songs I've heard, like, all year. Like, it's, it's on repeat. I, I really, like, w- was high on this track. What are your thoughts on it, and do you think it probably builds up the hype for The House is Burning? Welcome back, Isaiah. Yes, it does. And I love how you said for the locals. And I want to, I want to play, I want to go down a rabbit hole and say, that's for his, like, for the fans that was, like, probably saying, that last song was trash, bro. What are you doing? Go back to, mm-hmm. like me, like, go back to your roots, Apesop, for the locals. I hope that kind of, like, oh, that's why you put for the locals. But, yeah, this is a vibe. And I did think he did something with his production is um, as well, like how they 
like I think they put probably a megaphone effect on his vocals, and then they probably put mm-hmm. a little auto tunes and stuff on it, and then kind of like muffled it a little bit. I thought that was different because most of the time, most of his music is like clear cut, like tight on the vocals and the mix and stuff. So I thought it it worked though. It was a vibe. It was definitely a vibe, yes. and I definitely love the hook. Yeah, that's definitely on repeat. Definitely back to Isaiah Rashad. And he had a couple bars in there too. So, but it was it was definitely a vibe. It's definitely what we're used to hearing from him in his lane. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. And, and I mean, for for his first next album, like, is it one of those things where you want him to just kind of like stay in the lane of his last two or or maybe like develop some things? Because I, like when he stays in his lane, like he's he's one of the best artists to listen to consistently. Mm-hmm. But like, w- w- what do you think mm-hmm. he needs to do for this next project or, or what you kind of would like to hear from th- this next album? If he's if he's put it out, probably I don't think he'll go over like 15 songs. But if, if you do it, if he, let's say he does a 15 song album. Go dumb, mm-hmm. stupid of like three or four of them. Like try different things on three or four of them, but still have that foundation of what made you a waitable artist. Like I'm going to wait on his music. I can't wait till he's dropped music or, you know, drop something. Mm-hmm. So you can go, yeah. you can experiment on three or four tracks in a 15 song project, but make sure we still have stuff to, you know, fall back on. Cause you look at Drake, Drake, uh, Drake could experiment on some tracks and then he'll still give us the lyricism in the bars and just the catchiness of some tracks, but he'll experiment on some things. You know what I mean? So you can still yeah. do that in the album, but also just make sure you have the foundation of what, what, why we like you, while we listen to your music on repeat. So, right. Definitely. Um, I hope it's, and, and, yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely think this this build build it up to 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 the proper degree. Um, whenever this comes out, um, lastly transitioning to to Snow Allegra's uh lost you single before her uh, temporary highs in the violet skies comes out. This this new single mm-hmm. is just kind of like a really mid attempt a tempo track that you know has her navigating uncertainty in a relationship, and he's she's finding herself doubting a connection she's had with a lover. And as with any track, she just complements the instrumental with vocals that are you know comforting and lyrics that can resonate with anyone who's been in a challenging relationship. Um, what are your overall thoughts on this track and kind of like, what did you like the most in it? I like how the, uh, the song name is super long. Hmm. All right, I'm in a, a book. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you really thought that was one of the things I like. Well, as you said, hmm. no. Yeah, you was, I was like, being okay. sarcastic. I was being <laughs> But no, man, I think it's one of those, it's one of those natural snow songs, man. It's, mm-hmm. it, it makes you think about, like, her music, her voice is so just, like, it's it's unique. I don't, I don't hear anybody that has her, 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 her voice, obviously, because it's hers, it's hers, but just, like, you know how some artists kind of sound similar to other artists when they sing? But mm-hmm. hers, it's just, like, I don't know, it's different. And then, her writing skills are amazing. Her concept skills are amazing. It makes you really think about the different... Because I think I said this about Queen Najee's. How do you... It's hard to find different angles of love or different angles about songs or song names that already have been put out. I think Queen Najee had butterflies. He was like, I still... It was something. I forgot what I said, but it's hard to find a different angle on love. And Snow right. always finds that. And it's crazy that you have to be a great writer to be able to do that, to find different elements and different and different angles of talking about love and talking about relationships and talking about breakups because we've all heard it before in different different forms. So it's difficult mm-hmm. to do that. And Snow, <laughs> and Snow does that like yes. effortlessly. And I don't, I don't understand it. She's a great writer, great singer. And then I mean, if Prince backs you, you gotta oh, be goodness. you gotta be smoking Come on, hot, man. Come on, man. I, I mean, this is this is a hypothetical question, and I, I was thinking about it last week. If her in the, in the late in the upcoming years, if her SZA and Snow Allegra dropped an album on the same day separately, which one would you oh. listen to first out of those three? Mm. SZA. Yes, I think so too. Because we don't hear nothing from her. We're 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 that's the best. Starving. Thing we're starving. Exactly. <laughs> TDE knows what they're doing, bro. They're smart as heck over there. Yep. Very calculated. The the biggest thing they did for SZA this year is have her preview a song and let TikTok go stupid on it. 
Mm-hmm. I forgot. I, they released that. I don't know what it is. I want to hear that. The full length of it. That's the yes. best thing they did for her. Now it's leading up. Once she drops the album, people are going to go crazy. And I'm going to go, ah, crazy too. <laughs> but if all three of them drop, I'll take SZA all day. All day. Not because she's a better singer or her music is better because we don't hear from her. It's just like, um, once you break up with a person and you see them back with a person, you be like, oh, I, I want them back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we see people, okay. Good Days, oh, go I'm telling you, man, Good Days is on repeat. Good Days is still one of my most listened to songs. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm. It, it, she really does. And even with Control, I, Control is like one of my most listened to albums. Like, I think that is just a top tier, like, top tier body of work. And I think with what they do with TDE, they're going to make sure you put out quality projects that can, like, really stand the test of time. Yes, indeed. Look at Kendrick. Look at um, look at Reasons. Reasons drop. When he drops, he drops with some boom. And then everybody's just waiting for Isaiah. Um, is Isaiah dropping um, his album this year? Or is it? Yeah, it, it was supposed to be uh, in June, but I think it's pushing back to this month, to uh, July. I because that that song, they I don't know who told him to release that one. That's the one mess up. TV That's why they had to push it back. <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, and what if yeah, all his nah. songs was like that though, bro? Like, what if oh, all his songs gosh. was like that? It's not coming out to August then. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> gotta redo all that. What a doozy. <laughs> well, we gotta go pay some more people. <laughs> Um, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of The Born Identity. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our review of The Born Identity. And to start with the overview, The Born Identity is a 2002 action thriller film based on Robert Ludlum's 1980 novel starring Matt Damon as Jason Bourne, a man suffering from psychogenic amnesia and attempting to discover his true identity amidst a clandestine conspiracy within the uh, CIA um, the film is directed by Doug Lehman and also features Frank uh, uh, Potent, Chris Cooper, Clive Owen, Julia Stiles, Brian Cox, Walton Goggins, and Adewale um, Agbajay. And it's the first installment in the Jason Bourne film series, followed by The Supremacy in 04, The Ultimatum in 07, Bourne Legacy in 2012, and then Jason Bourne in 2016. It had a budget of $60 million and brought in $214 million in the box office. Also has an 83% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, l- looking back at this film, like, what are your initial thoughts of it as, you know, this was really a first-rate thriller and just had efficient uh, uh, set pieces with one of Matt Damon's most recon- recognizable uh, roles now? What a movie to slide on the scene. Um, I think this was a different different perspective on... You know the, the 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 silent. What do they call it? The sleeper sleeper killers or whatever. They train and then they yeah. take their memory away. And then I thought it was I thought it was a different perspective on one of those because we always see it back in Russia or something like that. But they were in Russia at one point. Um, but I thought it was a different perspective, a different way to like what I said about how to find different angles of love, how to find different angles about um, super soldiers or guys who are super great at being an assassin, and you get Matt Damon fresh off uh, a bunch of movies like Goodwill Hunting and <laughs> these other <laughs> films that are kind of like <laughs> light, and you put him into this role, and it made him more a star than... It made him It made him a big star. And I, I, I like this, this film. really I like, made him a mega star. For sure. And then they made so many. <laughs> so yes. many. And then what... Too many. I still don't... Yeah, they did make too many. At some point, okay, how many people? <laughs> the Born Legacy, before, <laughs> right? How many people did he know before? Is he agreed to do this service? You know, what I mean, like I don't yeah. understand it, but not this film was dope. This was really dope, and um, it really started a a epidemic, if you will, for Matt Damon. Because mm-hmm. after that, he was getting roles after roles, like different roles. So they kind of show his range in a sense. I'm going to tell you what, when Jason Bourne came out in 2016, was really hyped for it, it was past his time. He, he, need, he needed to put the gloves up. He, he was past his prime. Yes. <laughs> that, that was one where I was like, yes. I, I could have just stuck with the ultimatum. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, but, but but now transitioning to, to to our first topic from from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would definitely give this one a, a four star, as you know, it was very unpredictable and edgy, and kind of just as we said, like gave mm-hmm. the espionage thriller a breath of of new life or originality, and, and really switched things up for for that genre. Um, to you, from one to four stars, what would you give it? Definitely four stars. I think they did a lot with a minimum cast. I mean, you do have uh, Brian Cox and Chris Cooper. Um, even Clive Owen, who was a, was a decent uh, decent star for a couple, he had a couple um, movies like uh, Shoot 'Em Up and stuff like that. But you 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 do this with a minimum cast. You put Matt Damon. You show how great of a star he is as an actor, and you bring to life um, this you know this book or whatever. And yeah, it was definitely for us. Like you said, it was it did kept you on your feet and well kept you on your toes. Yes. It was a thriller. Definitely. Um, and. and, and- and also, like, now transitioning to favorite character, um, man, I feel, like, bad for saying born because I feel like such a predictable answer. But, like, this one kind of focuses yeah. on, it, it, ha- it really does have him centered in most because I think in Supremacy and Ultimatum, you have, like, more expanded characters. Marie and this one, I think, was also a very effective balance for him, brought a different, you know, uh, uh, brought a different side out of him and just kind of, like, you know, mellowed him out and, and made, made him just not as serious and just maybe, like, on a one-way path. But I think for Bourne being just a, a ruthlessly a, a efficient assassin, just um, having smarts plus physical prowess really made him an, an, a, an effective central leading character. Um, but to you overall, kind of like who was, who's your favorite character? You don't think I'm crazy. I think Nicolette is my favorite character because she's, a, she's an asset. And we'll yeah. see that later in other movies, how they became friends and became, she started helping them out and trying to figure stuff out with them. So I liked her character just for the future of what she uh, does and what she helps him with and make sure he doesn't die and make sure he's in the right place and stuff like that. So Nicolette, you're an asset to Jason Bourne. If you're an asset to Jason Bourne, mm-hmm. I mean, she died. I, yeah, I think she died in a couple of like the last third movie. That's the ultimate yeah, she died in that. But I mean, she she got three movies. <laughs> yes, she got three out of them. <laughs> she got three movies, man. She's an asset now. Um, but but not just to most memorable scenes, I had "What's Your Name," where um, a fisherman tends to the bullet-ridden body of Jason Bourne. Also, no papers. Um, a pair of policemen rouse him from a pair in, in uh, Zurich, and Bourne swiftly disarms them. My name is Jason Bourne. Where in a safety deposit box, Bourne discovers his identity. All six of them. The evacuation plan, uh, Bourne escapes the U.S. consulate using a map of the building and, and a radio. Um, you need money, I need a ride. Mm-hmm. We're born. Um, ask a, a cash-strapped young woman for a lift while Conklin musters all of his force to find him. Pen versus knife. See, see now the pen versus knife, that's one of my top ones. Um, we, you know, where mm-hmm. Bourne is matched up with an assassin and Marie's hysteria frees the man. Um, the pair chase, uh, where the cops chase Bourne and Marie down one-way streets and staircases. And then finally, the stairwell plunge, one of the last scenes of the movie um, where Bourne rides a corpse down a stairwell and, and Manham uh, assassinates That's Conklin. I, I would have the Paris chase and the pen versus knife scene. I think the chases in all of these movies are really like top tier of the Bourne franchise. But looking back, kind of like what we, maybe, maybe what was one or two of your memorable scenes? Um, the end, actually. Well, not the end. end. <clears throat> when he finally killed the professor, I liked how how smart he was and how to kill the professor. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why that scene stuck out to me the most because the professor was a great assassin too. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he did he just don't get caught for no reason, but I, how he strategically weeded him out and then he just killed him in the, in the field. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was dope. That's just really shows you how great of an assassin Jason Bourne is on a, a over another assassin and why they tried to keep him <laughs> Why they got to keep Jason Bourne just a normal person? <laughs> but nah, yeah, I think that was a dope scene. The one, this my really my favorite one. He slid down with a <laughs> with a whole body and oh killed. Yeah, we killed Kaka. That was that was that was a that definitely was crazy. dope scene. Yeah. Um, now yeah, that's to... that's like that's that's heavy. But oh, go, sorry. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, why is that not highlighted? That's who does that? Who slides? That's so down crazy. With a I, I want, I want to like a director, a director, like analysis of that. <laughs> yes, let's get a director's cut. Like, at first we didn't want to do it, but did it, <laughs> it just give us something, man? That was. A but Matt said, "I got to do it, man. I got to get these bucks." <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but 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 not just listening to most memorable quotes I had. I don't want to do this anymore from Boren. Also, you can do whatever you want. You never have to see me again, but not here. If we stay here, we die. Another one from Boren. Um, you're asking me a direct question. I never thought you were going to do that. You never wanted to before from Conklin. I work alone like you. We always work alone, the professor. Um, I will bring this fight to, fight to your doorstep from Bourne. And then finally, um, look at what they make you give from the professor. I thought that was the best quote because we even seen the last film. Bourne says that to one of the other assassins, like, look at what they make you give. He was like doing a full circle from the first film where he was like, he, he was on a one-way track at the beginning. And then at the end, he saw what the agency was making him do and, and sacrifice and really kind of compromise himself. Um, but to you, kind of like, what was your overall like memorable quote? Mm. There's a lot in here, especially from yeah. uh, Ward Abbott, Coughlin. Hmm. It's too many, bro. Can the I? Can, mm. you, it you is can like, like two or I, three, yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go with uh, Ward Abbott. Oh, the, the the one line it was like I need money, I need a ride. That was a that was a dope line. Um, mm-hmm. I just throw that out there. Um, ooh, I can't decide, Willerton. Man, it's tough. I won't decide. <laughs> You're not gonna decide. I'm not gonna decide. The listeners are crazy. They're <laughs> like, he's starving us. He's starving us for <laughs> <laughs> No, it's so many in here, man. Yeah. It was like it's a testament to the that's another thing. It's like when you have a film that has so many good quotes. That's another question I had. When you have a film that has so many good quotes and it's like just really layered out, like what does that kind of tell you about a film? Like when there's just so many things that are in it that are memorable that you can't even like pick one. You know what? I know this is I know this is a dumb one. All right, I'm just gonna start going. I'm just gonna start going, okay. It was Maria and Jason Boyd. She was like, do you have ID? Not really. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not really. And then when it was a car chase, she was like, he was like, so. And she was like, what? We got a bump coming up. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, this is why they want to do it, Wellington. Because they're yeah. silly. I don't know why. It's <laughs> so funny to me. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm gonna do one more. Uh uh Oh, it's a nice one. This is a nice one. Um I'm picking from a list. He was like, um, when she, he was in Maria Jason Bourne, and she was like, um, with you, you would probably just forget about me if I stay here. He was like, How could I forget about you? <laughs> You're the only oh. person I know. <laughs> <laughs> And the fact that he laughed with it, how can I forget about you? Ha ha ha. You're the only person I I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yo. It was some good ones in that. But no, War had a lot of them. Cochran had some good ones too. Um, But I'll just just stay with Jason Bourne, man. There's too many of them. Yeah. Um, Not listening to what did you like the most about the storyline, to me, just how the pacing and dialogue were able to work and, and kind of a smarter action film comparing to maybe like some of the average slates. Um, this this movie felt slow at times, but the pacing really pays off and it just offers um, yep. a fresh cake at the thriller genre in doing this. Um, to you, kind of like in particular, what did you like the most uh, about the storyline? That's crazy you mentioned that, the pace. I really liked how the pace of the movie was. Because in the yes. I, I don't think you could come out fast and blazing with a film like this and with a storyline no. like this. You have to bring us in, like hold our hand, and be like, and then just throw us in the water. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's what they did at, at certain parts of the film. It was like, come on, it's okay. It's not that deep. It just threw us in the water. But um, I, I like the pace. I like how it was like the, it was kind of spaced out the action. We didn't get action, 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 action. Because I'm not really an action junkie when it comes to films. I like things that really kind of articulate my mind and just really yeah. flex with your, with, with your writing ability, your storyline, with your actor. Let them flow. You don't have to have action in every scene. It just has to, it just has to correlate with each other and, and, and be a good scene. So I think with, the, with this, it's so easy to be uh, captivated, but like, okay, in the writing room, we're going to make this all action. Because it has to be action. People are not going to care about it if it's not action, but they didn't do that. They slowed it down when it needs to be slowed. They they put action where action needed. And it was just, it just, it just worked. That's why I liked yes. about it. It just worked. The pace of the film worked. 
definitely. Um, and, and looking back at this whole like franchise, like to me, this is still the best one of the series. I think Supremacy is also really good. Ultimatum, yep. what was a decent film? Like in terms of how you would rank them, I would probably just have them in the order that they are. Like Identity, Supremacy, and yep. Ultimatum. Like which, like how would you kind of rank rank these particular three films? Exactly the same. I think. Yeah. Without this one, obviously, this is the first film, but it gave us so much insight. It gave you room to be able to write more. Because yes. I mean, if they if they would have stopped at this one, I think people would have been satisfied too. But if you give mm-hmm. us another one, like, okay, what can you? Yep. But I think if they would have stopped, I think this still would have been a classic, in definitely. my opinion. So I definitely this definitely is number one for sure. Not because it was made first, but just how they wrote it. That's an interesting thing. If they would if they wouldn't have made the premise, I still think this would be held as a classic. Like, like that would have been it. It, it, it would have made you think of the the series differently. But I think if this one was just identity was the only film, it, it still would be at the same rate it uh, it's been now. Um, but dealing with our last topic, ten years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? Um, this one has been past that, and I definitely think it will. It was made in 04. and mm-hmm. just the character journey, the, the the fresh plot, and it being more than a convention conventional action movie with a rich character at the center um, has made it such a consistent and memorable rewatch. Um, what do you think will continue to make this um, a watchable and intriguing uh, movie? The pace of the film, for yeah. sure. Um, it was a thriller. It had some. It was a thriller. It was an action film. It was one of those films you just you just sit back like, dang, okay. Mm-hmm. And then it had some humor in it, like. And then Matt Damon. Matt Damon is definitely one of those guys. That is just a great. It's just a good actor, and he's one of those guys who have a, who can show his range in different films. And I think one of those is Good One Hunting is one. Um, this is another. It's it's a bunch of other films that I'm, I'm thinking about at the moment. I mean, Ocean's Ocean's Eleven that series, um, yes. the role he played in there. <laughs> but no, I think it had every all Linus, the elements. Into Linus it. compared to Jason Bourne, like the <laughs> the biggest contrast you can have of actor. <laughs> What a contrast. This is such a contrast. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, and 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 the last thing but, but before we close out, this was an extended series. Like we talked about they had the Born Legacy, they had also the Jason Bourne mm-hmm. film in 2016. Like, when do you think a series should be able to like to be at its close and not be even extended more? Because like we have series like even like the Fast and Furious, it's being extended oh for eternity. <laughs> there was recently Fast and Furious 9 that, that just came out. So, I mean, like, you're, you have series that just keep going. But when do you think, like, a series, like, should actually, like, just be put at its official end and not be, like, continued on? It's our fault. It's definitely our fault. I think actors, some actors are conscious enough to, like, okay, let's kill this. Let's kill this. We got we to gotta get out. We can't do this no more. I think that's what he did when they they got um I forgot the other guy's name to play him in his place. Um and I think I think he was like, "Man, I'm tired of playing this role." But you have guys like Tom Cruise or do um uh what's the Mission Impossible film that he always does? Mission Impossible. Yeah. Because I think he I think he he likes it into the fact because he does his own stunts and he's like, "What can I do next?" I already held on to a plane and rode it in the air like for real. He did that stunt for real. But yeah. then you have fast, you have Fast and Furious to that franchise. It's just, it's just doing too much. It's doing too much. So it, it just depends. It depends on us because if we go watch it, that gives them <laughs> more ammo the to do it. Exactly. The opportunity <laughs> to create more. And then as an actor, I know you want to get paid, but you gotta come and be like, all right, bro, we've done we done spin-offs. Like I'm just talking about the fast. Like yeah. we're Hobbs and Shaw. We, we're up to number nine. <laughs> yeah, we're up to number nine. Like, what are we doing, dude? Like, we're gonna go to fight with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, what are we? Like, <laughs> that would be kind of dope. <laughs> <laughs> be so stupid. I'm kidding. You know what? You know what? I will watch it. <laughs> I would. That's the thing. That's the oh, sad thing. <laughs> As long as James Gunn is 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 directing it, I yes, will watch it. Exactly. I will watch it. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it's at some point the actor has to say, all right, let's kill this, let's kill this role, let's kill this movie, or we just don't go watch it. Yeah, definitely. So what's that? <laughs> well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host Winsor Burns, Lama Connor Parse Morris. This has been full scope. See you later.